Hello, you're listening to the Beats and Bleeps podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Today I'm with Barry Leach. How are you today, Barry? I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, you yeah, good. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, so, I mean, where I kind of start the, the interview off, really, is sort of your origin story, how you came to work in, in music and then uh, making soundtracks for video games in general. Well, when I was uh, young, I was about 11, 12 years old when one of my buddies got the he, he got a, the loan of a, a Sinclair ZX81 um, and to us that was just, oh my god this is the future, this is incredible and so we spent the whole summer dicking around with that and then I got more into other computers you know, I managed to borrow a BBC Model B over the summer and stuff and I'd mess around with that And you know, you can only do so much if you don't have a, a if you, if, if you don't have a lot of money to buy games, yeah. you have to make your own stuff, your own entertainment. So it was a case of, you know, dicking around with it, trying to find out what they could do, what we could do with these new toys. <laughs> ah, nice. So like, was at that point, did you have sort of like a, a musical background at all? or Not really, no. I was too lazy to learn to play an instrument properly. Um, you know, they had us playing the recorder in school, which was... <laughs> It was just an excuse to make noise, um, and I never wanted to learn to play the piano. My my buddy that had the the ZX eighty one, he uh, he learned to play the piano, and uh, his mum would make him practice for an hour every night, Oof. and that totally sucked. The poor guy had to sit there and play piano, and we'd have to sit waiting on him to finish playing the bloody piece. <laughs> I do like that. I've, I've just when you mentioned about playing the recorder, had that horrific throwback to every <laughs> every sort of five year old in a school had to take a recorder, and it's like the most horrific sounding instrument. Even when played well, it's not nice. So yeah. I, don't, I, I feel it was just like someone decided, oh yeah, we're going to put music out to discourage parents from ever <laughs> buying another musical instrument. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, so how did like what was um I mean going back um what was the first game soundtrack you you worked on and how did that that come about? Well, the very first one was a game called Icups I C U P S. Um, it was uh, the, by that time I was fifteen years old and I had had started making a bunch of music demos on the computer because I couldn't draw worth a damn and programming was pretty damn hard so. I was like, yeah, well, I'll try music, see what I can do with that. And uh, and then, you know, you hear stuff like Rob Hubbard's music and Ben Douglas, Martin Galway. It's like, holy cow, these are nice pieces of music. Maybe maybe this is something I could do, you know. And from there, I'd, I know, I'd made a bunch of demos. I sent them to all the game companies, called them all up, as any obnoxious 15-year-old would do. And told them how great my music was and that they should buy some. And eventually one of them... Uh, Colin Fueg at Firebird, he uh, he said, "You know what? That one tune, that's not totally shit. That one, <laughs> buy that one. <laughs> we'll use it in our game." Nice. I guess. I guess. Guessing from there, it just kind of snowballed. I mean, back back then, was there like a much sort of limited amount of people doing game soundtracks? Was it? A, a, oh, yeah. A, a, yeah. There, there was Rob Hubbard, Ben Douglas, Martin Galway. David Whitaker and me. <laughs> there was a couple others. You know, Chris Yulespeck was starting to show up in Germany and stuff and yeah. things like that. Um, but yeah, it was all very, uh, 
very few people doing it on the planet. There's less than 10 in the whole world making yeah. a career out of music for games. So you can imagine my parents' reaction when 15-year-old me told them that, hey, that's what I want to do. I want to write music for games. They're like, uh, that's probably not a good idea, son. <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of... What sort of um system was it that like the oh, God, you've forgotten the name of the game you said the music the, driver you mean you yeah. the system to create the audio and, yeah well okay so back then you needed to have a music driver a piece of code that played back your music there wasn't there wasn't really any viable commercial packages you could buy well there was one and it was called electrosound and that was barely viable because the music driver used a shit ton of cpu processing time so if you could play the music but you couldn't have it you know it would struggle to play in game with music and sound effects and still have enough raster time for the game to play so uh yeah that was it was a terrible piece of software uh, you could hardly do anything technical with it Not, nothing like what rob or martin or ben were doing that was how their music sounded so good was because they were doing all these fancy little programming tricks to create the arpeggios and stuff and yeah, we electrosound just didn't have that at all. It was terrible, <laughs> and that's what I was stuck with. I do like when you see, especially now looking back, when you see like the interfaces of well, not they a lot of them didn't even really have an interface. It was like command line of any sort of software back then. It's like, uh, it's I mean, going back, I remember my you mentioned about the BBC uh, too. My school had one, and. I just remember typing in it and it's actually by the time you had typed a word it would take a few seconds for it to appear it's like oh, yeah. I, I can imagine something like that even trying to process any sort of vaguely complicated stuff i had a bbc for the whole summer and th- th- there was a piece of music software called the music system if i remember right it was a notation program and i, I managed to find the sheet music for uh Bach staccata and d minor big huge booklet of this piece and I, and I spent a whole week transcribing it putting putting it in note at a time it was hellish but it's probably still out there somewhere maybe somebody's got it i don't <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go uh skip forward a bit in time to kind of i mean how i personally came across yourself and your name with oh I, i've got something to say you were talking about how it snowballed from there from the very first game yeah Totally didn't snowball, totally just fizzled <laughs> straight out. That was it. Ah, okay. Because the first game came out, Hiccups, and the reviews for it were terrible. They said the game wasn't very good, and the music was pretty shit. <laughs> so that was it. My career was over at 15. I'd just turned 16 by then, and by the time Zap came out, and it was done. I mean, that was it, career over. And so I had to find something else to do because by then my parents were like, see, it was a stupid idea, right? <laughs> now go and do something proper. And so I went to, uh, I became an apprentice engineer for a little while. Um, and that was terrible. I was really boring, just filing bits of metal, welding bits of metal, milling them, all this stuff. Um, and then some of my buddies were uh, making a video game. And I said, well, look, if you make me a decent music driver, I can probably write a piece of music that's not terrible. And so my buddy, he wrote a piece of music for that, and the game was called Marauder. It came out in 88, I think, which was about two years later. Took a while to get it out. But uh, yeah, the the magazine, I got a good review. It was like 89% or something. It was pretty high. 83, I don't know. I need to look it up. 
That's cool. So it kind of like you had the initial setback and then just chance opportunity to to rectify yeah, the wrongs. The, yeah, back in the game. <laughs> and then is that when it snowballed then or? <laughs> well, no. It, well, from there, I mean, after that, I mean, I, at, at the time, I, I was also I went back to to, uh, to university. I went to, to to do a computing degree. Um, which was terrible at the time because the schools were just learning how, what are we going to do with all these computers? And so they had these courses where you could go to the class and you would have to learn how to program, but you had to program on pieces of paper and give it to the teacher who would then type it into the computer. You're like, fuck this. It's <laughs> terrible. There's no way I'm going to learn doing that. How are you going to know where the error is? You know, the teacher's going to tell you, oh, it crashed, it didn't work. If you had 10 minutes on the computer, you could work out where the problem was and fix it, but not with somebody else typing it in and stuff. So that was a... Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do that. And then eventually there was a, a game company down in Portsmouth, uh, Catalyst Coders. I started working with them and eventually moved to, to Portsmouth in England with, to work with them. And from there, it just kind of went on, just kept climbing up the ladders taking any jobs you could, you know. Ended up in, I was in, after about six months at Catalyst Coders, uh, who, a company that just didn't have any money to start with, and they didn't make any money. And so they, they couldn't pay us. And so after a while, a bunch of us all went off to London. Uh, we uh, had a, a partner there, Darren Melbourne, um, who, it convinced us that we had he had a deal with a, a company called Imagitech to set up a, an office in London. So we, we all moved up there to just try and make a start of this. Well, it turned out Darren didn't have that deal with Imagitech. And so we struggled. We, we, we made a couple of video games on our own um, just, just so we could pay the rent and stuff. Uh, it was pretty grim. I mean, we were talking about starving artists. We were, we were down to eating dry cornflakes at one point. We were that poor. Um, so after that, uh, the London thing just kind of, it was petering out and uh, I got hold of Imagitech again and uh, told them that we'd all come and work for them if they sent a van to London to come and pick us up, which they did. <laughs> so a few of us all moved up to Imagitech and that was where really production really started. So it's kind of like even quite a, a journey for yourself, like moving well, several places. I guess it's still quite young at this point. Yeah, I was, yeah. what, eight, 19, 18, 18 there. And I mean, I've, I've moved now 33 times since I left home, just following game jobs and stuff. So I've been here for in Ohio now for 15 years, which is the longest I've stayed anywhere since I left home. <laughs> is that where you're, you're in inverted commas settling down, or is there still the chase and the jobs, or with, I guess with the way the world is now, you don't really have to? I don't know. I, I, I saw a job posting the other day that for an audio director thing position. I thought, oh, I could maybe do that, but it was in Sweden or something. I was like, ah. <laughs> I mean, Sweden's probably beautiful and everything, but it's a big move, especially yeah. this thing in life. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I was uh, saying about the how I came to learn about yourself um, was Horizon Chase, Horizon Chase Turbo. So obviously that game is heavily well very heavily influenced by Top Gear, which you did the soundtrack for. Was that just a case of the the developers just being like, we really like this game, we're making a game like it, we need to get the original guy to do the soundtrack, or was there much more to it than that? 
No, that was pretty much it. I mean, these these guys, from, from my understanding, um, they were they had a software company. Um, they'd been focusing on a lot of business software, and uh, I think they were just they'd reached the end of where they could take that doing the software for that and so they wanted you know let's try doing a game fuck it let's just make the game that we want to make and they Top Gear out of all the games I've worked on Top Gear is by far the most popular especially in South America Um, it's insane it's like Mario popular which totally surprises surprised me anyway Um, but yeah so they were like look this is a game we want to remake we want to make it make a love letter to it you know let's see if we can get very involved and they messaged me on Facebook and at first I didn't believe them (laughs) I hadn't heard of any Brazilian game developers at the time Um, so but yeah they they wanted to remake it and so that's what we started doing just they they, they pretty much gave me free reign creatively on the first one just to to go crazy and write whatever I wanted I mean, did you did like obviously from the original one, which was on the SNES, uh, the Top Gear, and obviously now there's always limitless restrict, like not being able to. Did did you still kind of have the the itch to kind of make it not necessarily sound the same, but have the same sort of feel, like almost like the sixteen sixteen bit feel as such, or did you want to take the original Top Gear sound and modernize it? I wanted to, I don't know, I thought their break to me was make it like the first one, but make it much more modern and adrenaline-fueled, fun, just, you know, do, do whatever you want. And so from there, I mean, I, it was mostly the arpeggios that I wanted to really have fun with. Yeah. Um, and I think I totally, totally overdid it because each tune has like four arpeggios playing. But it... it I think it works in game, you know, when, when you're playing the game and, and your ears not following. See, if, 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 if it was just, a, if it was like the Super Nintendo one, you'd have your bass line, your drums, and maybe one arpeggio and a melody, you know, four channels or so. Uh, whereas with this, uh, just, uh, you, you can follow the lead for a bit and then you get sidetracked into following the arpeggios for a bit, because so, you're going to hear it so often. It, it distracts you or distracts what you should be listening to uh, I don't know <laughs> <Tom Bollocks. laughs> I mean, that was kind of like a, a kind of signature of the sound of, like the, of Top Gear was like the lots of arpeggios really sort of high energy music and yeah. stuff I mean I'm guessing and obviously this is something that you, you did when you wrote it uh, Like, I mean because of like the limited sort of process and power and sound you can have arpeggios were a good way to kind of fill the yeah. as much it space the fact, with... it hid the fact that there was only two or three other instruments playing yeah. and so the, I, I just imagined what I would do now you know if I I mean because now I have every sound that I could possibly imagine or want I mean I, I spent longer just li- looking for the right sounds for the game than I did on the whole of Top Gear uh, because Top Gear was just a five-day project. It yeah. was just something banged out. Just because I wanted to go home. Because <laughs> they'd send me off here. Go to Gremlin and do some music for them. Like, All right. <laughs> I mean, is, is that mad that like it was a five-day job for yourself 30-ish years ago and now 
people are making. <laughs> and I wish I could go back and change stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It, it's, it's just how, how good you must have been that you made it in five days and it's stood the test of time. It's surprising that it's held the test of time. I think people just got forced to listen to the tunes so often that it's their way in. There's no escape in that. I mean, I do, because uh, I was playing a bit of it uh, kind of in preparation. It's just, I've now got like some of the arpeggios just stuck in my head. And I was just like, it's like, just like really earwormy kind of stuff. It's like, oh, it's really catchy. And I mean, it's because it's the gameplay itself, the same with Horizon Chase. It's very, very simplistic. It's not like, you know, you need to con- concentrate too much on it. It's like the music kind of has quite a big space in it for. Yeah, you just pick it up and play it and play a few levels. I, I love that about the game. You don't have to... It's not a huge investment of time. Yeah. I mean, I like to play some real-time strategy games, you know, like uh, Total Annihilation, Supreme Commander, Forest Alliance. Love that stuff. But goddamn, you can spend like eight hours in a game yeah. and you can't walk away from it because it'll screw all your teammates over and stuff if you're playing online. So it's nice to just have a quick game or something yeah definitely i mean i feel i feel the the older i've got the more i appreciate that you know back when i was uh younger growing up and it's like oh i can happily sit down for you know five six hours and just play a game and that's like oh, i've got jobs i've got work i've got to do adult stuff and it's like if you've got half an hour to pick up and that half an hour is spent going i don't know what i'm doing totally <laughs> but so uh, with with Horizon Chase, obviously, um, were you kind of shocked with sort of how how popular that became, and obviously now they've they've done a sequel as well, sort of just kind of coming a bit out of the left field, out of nowhere, and then it becoming this fairly big hit. I don't know. I I don't know why I expected from it. I mean, I had very little from them when I started work on it, and and the initial brief for the project was I had a couple of months of downtime coming up. Um, and that was just when they contacted me. I said, look, well, let's do a wee deal where I'll write as many tunes as I can in two months and we'll go from there. Yeah. And so I spent a couple of months working on it. I wrote like half a dozen tunes, I think. Um, and at the time, I had only ever seen that one screenshot of the game. that had a, They had a square car, just this blocky car. And I thought, you know, it might be good, it might not be good, but it seemed like it's, it seemed like they were quite well organised and they were very passionate, which was exciting, you know, because they were every time I usually when, when you write your first tune for a project and you send it to them there's tons of back and forth trying to work out, you know, is this right for the game, you know, the, the game designer has his own vision of what he wants it to sound like and so you have to go back and forwards 20 times shooting just tweaking little things. Sometimes it's something as simple as the snare drum, or sometimes they just don't like anything you've done, um, which is kind of kind of how the second one went. <laughs> the first tune on that, it was hell. But uh, no, this the the first one was great. I'd sent them the first tune, and they're like, "This is fucking awesome." I think it was a two word two word email. Fucking awesome. Keep going. Like <laughs> yes. So so I did. I just you know went crazy with it. And then after that, we were like, they, they, they came back and they said, they said uh, we need, we're going to need more music, we need more race tunes and stuff, because I had no idea of the scope of the game, how many levels they were going to put in. And then they had like 100 levels in the damn thing. Crazy amount, tons of content. 
And so, yeah, I did a few more months writing extra tunes and spent just as long mixing them all because I put too much stuff in them. <laughs> it's punishment. <laughs> I mean, I guess it as well, like, the, in terms of scale, like, scope of the game and stuff, there's been all the sort of add-on packs and stuff for it since. Was there, like, additional music for that as well? Yeah, some of them did. Uh, the Summer Vibes had a piece. Uh, the Senna had uh, the, the Senna one had like three tracks. Um, was there another one as well? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. There's been so many of them. I know that we just fit them onto the the, the album over there in, my, in the corner. They just fit on uh, triple album, triple vinyl. Yeah, which was crazy. Which kind of goes on nicely to the next question about that. So I mean, is that was I'm guessing back back when you started out, there really wasn't many games that had like an official soundtrack release, let alone a vinyl one. And then, kind of through the mid part of you know the '90s is when vinyl died, basically. Yeah, so vinyl, that, yeah, vinyl it's, was dead by yeah. the early '90s. And then, then obviously, kind of. So like, I mean, is that the first first game you've had a vinyl pressing of, or has there been ever in the past? No, there was one that uh, I did a soundtrack for a game called Inferno, where we got a, a band called Alien Sex Fiend. I got them involved, and we co-wrote the soundtrack together. Uh, they released it on vinyl, and so that was published in, what, 92, I think, 93, somewhere around there. So, yeah, that was that was my first vinyl publishing, but it was through a proper record company and stuff, so... yeah. I mean, I bet, you know, after, after that and going through the mid-90s and the vinyl crush, you wouldn't have thought that you would have been having a, a soundtrack <laughs> printed onto vinyl in 2020. Was it last year or was it this year it's actually released? The vinyl was uh, this year, I think. Because it was just, yeah, because the, the Senna stuff got finished and that was the last thing we were going to put on there. Yeah. Because I had to ask the Aquarius guys, I'm like, you're not going to make any more DLC, are you? Because... <laughs> You have to do because I keep, you know, I, I, I did the Horizon Chase CD uh, when we first published the game, which came out on Apple first the first time I think, yeah. or was it Android as well? No, it was it was Apple first briefly, and then iOS. Then they did Horizon Chase Turbo, which on the console versions with more music, and then Horizon Chase out too. So lots of add-ons. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know what they've got planned for the second one. They haven't told me. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> So you don't have to think, oh, how many, how many more bits of music have I got to write? <laughs> Sometimes it gets like that, you know, because you know, the to the second one, there's like, you know, there's going to be like twenty five pieces of music or something, and you've got to, I'm like twenty five race tunes. I'm like, God, I've got to write twenty five tunes, all the same, but slightly different. It's a, that can be tough. So I mean, you mentioned briefly about the. Um the center dlc for horizon chase i mean personally like growing up being uh really into motor racing like especially f1 it's like that's like such a cool endorsement to have i guess obviously with the brazilian connection with the developers it makes oh yeah makes sense but like just to, just to have something of such a an iconic sports hero it's incredible. you know he's such a, a great racing driver and that i am sure that Part of his success is what drove the popularity of Top Gear in Brazil, because it was just a game. It's one of those games that bridged the generation gap. You can yeah. play with your kids, your grandfather, you know, even play against the wife. You know, it's 
she would play you for a bit. Play you a few times until your mass amounts of experience and it's made made a look very yeah. average at it. <laughs> pissed off. Throw the controller at you. <laughs> At least, at least if it's on the snares, they're attached to a wire, so you can just stand a bit further away. <laughs> so I get, I guess it obviously going on to Horizon Chase, the sort of success from the the original game. It was a no brainer doing a sequel, having you on it for the soundtrack. What was, I get, I guess from what you've mentioned before, it wasn't a case of you can just do whatever this time. They might have had more of a specific requirements or. Yeah, for Horizon Chase 2, there was a lot more requirements and a very, yeah. But they had the, they had the, they hired the new art director and they put the audio under his purview. So we uh, had, to, had to take his, he, he was in charge of it. So everything had to go past him. Yeah. And also had to work with their in-house audio uh, lead, uh, Paolo Borer, um, on the mixing and master and the stuff. They wanted to make sure it was... Uh, top quality and Paolo was an excellent guitarist as well so it let me have access to a, a good guitarist for free <laughs> that's cool because I mean like I'm guessing that obviously there's not much real instrumentation in it but is that something that I've been able to add the guitars and stuff onto it for like kind of gave it another sort of dimension yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, having a live guitar makes a difference of night and day. I mean, compared to the synth guitars. I mean, I think I, I don't know. You you listen to the first one. I mean, I quite like my guitar solos and stuff, but it, it it never quite hits the mark as perfectly as a real guitar player. Yeah. It's just when you get those noises when they're you know their fingers touch the strings. It's it's beautiful. It makes a, a world of difference. But yeah, we've got singing in there. We've got voices. There's even me doing stupid voices for some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which I kept, I kept telling Paolo to take it out. When we were doing the final mixing and stuff, it's like, just turn my voice down. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> You'll find when, when there's a version of the game and it's got like your levels of your voices turned right up on a special hidden track <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, I, I, for the first one, I did a, there was a Christmas tune and I did a birthday tune as well. Um, and I was hoping they would implement it in the consoles, you know, so when it's like Christmas Day, that it would change the title tune to the Christmas tune and stuff, but I don't think we ever go around to implementing that. No. I'll have to, I'll see if I put it on on Christmas Day if it does it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so obviously Horizon Chases 2 is out on Apple Arcade now, and then it's coming to pretty much every other format next year is the plan yeah as far as i know so, so i'm getting i mean if i feel like i don't have any apple products so i unfortunately can't play it yet but i, I, I have i have a ten thousand dollar apple macintosh that's just sitting in my garage it's, <laughs> it's a power mac 8100 slash 100 from 1993 yeah. i think it was <laughs> I mean, there was, there was that brief period where they, I think it's probably just a bit after it, but they had the ones, it's like, it's all in the CRT kind of monitor, and it's yeah. had that, like, really lovely, transparent, coloured stuff, and it's just... Yeah, these were pretty, but they weren't very powerful. <laughs> for something called a Power Mac as well. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of skipping back in time and stuff, um, okay. 
I get sidetracked and go off a tangent. No, that is fine. But um, so yeah, go, so going back in time, a lot of the games um, that you worked on were kind of released on multiple consoles and things like that. So, uh, I mean, I'll just get the massive list up you sent me. I think one of them from memory was, and again, this is just an example, but I think the humans that was on pretty much every console yeah. humans was nuts <laughs> I still keep producing versions of it I think there was one released a couple of years ago but so that, yeah now it's probably on Steam I'm sure yeah I mean it's uh, it's quite funny because it's um one of my my partner's first game she ever played the Game Boy version of it oh yeah yeah so oh. Comes... That was I remember doing that <laughs> <laughs> so it's with that so when it's on you know Mega Drive, Atari, Game Boy. How 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 would you go about writing a soundtrack for that? Would it be a case of you write something completely away from thinking about the consoles and then decide to how to implement it on the consoles? Or no, uh, well, be, because I knew it was going to be converted to other formats. I, I would write it initially on the Amiga, yeah, and I would make sure that uh, when I wrote it. I, I always had it in the back of my mind that it was because the, the Amiga had four channels uh, of sample playback, whereas you know your most of your other machines, your Spectrum, your Amstrad, your Atari ST, the, those, those all had the AY chip, um, and so it was just three channels, square wave or white noise. Yeah. So I knew I knew in the back of my mind what I was going to have to lose in order to 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 get it to sound good on the on the shitty computers. <laughs> So that's, uh, I mean, I, I, I came up with a, it, it was a unified data structure. Uh, so, so we could share the data for the music notes, at least between all the different formats. Um, and then we just had to, I had to tailor the musical instruments uh, on each one, the, the arpeggios and the, the, the actual sounds, the waveforms, because different machines could do fancy little effects. You put a little bit of a white noise at the beginning of every bass note. It sounds like a hi hat going. So it makes it sound a little richer. Yeah. And just like, I guess it's kind of like getting the maximum out of what is a very limited. Oh yeah, working yeah, palette. As much of it as you could. So, so with the example of the humans, um, so you'd write it on the Amiga. Would that just be something you could like? everything went for it you programmed yeah I, I used to use like a mod tracker or noise tracker whatever it was uh, so we, we, you, we, I'd write in the tracker system and then you know convert it into data for like the Atari ST and then I could convert it for the other formats just by copying the file over and then going sitting with the dev kit dicking around with the instruments trying to make them sound good <laughs> Because some systems, you know, had a slower clock speed, so so that white that that little bit of white noise on the bass sound might have been chin 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 on a Atari ST, but on a Spectrum Plus Three, it'd be dun dun dun. It was way more noise because the clock wasn't fast enough to do it. So yeah. So I guess in going forwards now in the future, where it's just like I can just write the music on something and it sounds the same on everything is yeah. much nicer. <laughs> Plus, yeah, you got all the software you ever wanted, all the sounds you ever needed. It takes longer to find the sounds these days. Yeah, oh yeah, you've got that sort of 
option paralysis where you can literally have anything so you have to see what everything sounds like before yeah. going cool. <laughs> make a track mm-hmm. and it's like oh i wonder if this arpeggio will sound nice with a glockenspiel it's like it did not <laughs> <laughs> i was working on a dubstep piece last weekend oh my god the hours i spent looking for just trying to find the right little horrible sounds and stuff <laughs> uh I kind of I I feel like that dubstep had that sort of massive kind of hit like eight years ago about that long and then it's kind of like you kind of forget it is until you hear one of those whoop, 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 bass sounds like oh yeah, yeah I remember this we just got to use it sparingly I think yeah I put little bits of it in Horizon Chase one there was a couple of dubstep sounds and yeah. stuff but not hardcore dubstep music. <laughs> I did a dubstep version of Hotel California once. That wasn't wasn't very good. <laughs> I think it's probably on the SoundCloud page. <laughs> I get I get the impression that like proper hardcore Eagles fans have stumbled across it. Like, what is this? <laughs> What's this aberration? <laughs> How dare you? I did do a version of the Doctor Who theme. Oh, Doctor nice. in the wub wub wub. <laughs> <laughs> That's on my SoundCloud page oh, as well. Nice. With Doctor in the wub wub wub. <laughs> Let me send you a link to that one. You can play that. I'll have a, I'll have a listen to that one. Oh, wow, it is literally Doctor in the Wub Wub Wub. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was kidding. <laughs> I'll definitely check that one out. <laughs> so, did you did you have a a favourite console or system sound wise back in a day when sort of sound chips were processing things? Totally. Have you heard of the MT32? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Totally loved the MT32. Oh, my. It was the best thing ever because it sounded like a real synthesizer. It was it was a real synthesizer. So, yeah. And all the old Amiga games and stuff that I worked on at the time, usually there was a PC version, so I would do an MT32 version. So there's all these really... Like uh, the Viking Child. Yeah, and you're talking about yeah. There's an MT32 version of that that sounds so much better than the Game Boy version. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of one of my, I'd say favorite and also probably saddest pastime is like going through YouTube compilations of old PC game soundtracks, listening to them on the the different sound cards and stuff and it's like you've got the one that starts off with the pc speaker and it's just obnoxious beeping then it goes like progressively up you know you have your sound blaster and then you go you have the uh roland sound canvas and then the mt32 it's like sounds amazing Love the MT32. uh, And I still get mail about uh, there was a game I did called tfx when i was at ocean had a huge mt32 soundtrack I need, I need to publish that one. I should stick that one online. Yeah, I'll do it soon. <laughs> so with with your um, very large back catalogue of games you've worked on, is there any sort of standout games you worked on from yourself or any that? I mean, obviously, Top Gear's kind of what you mentioned, probably the one you're most known for. But any that you either like standout games or or you know you particularly enjoyed the soundtrack and kind of like stand back and feel very proud of it yeah i mean there's definitely some like that um lotus 2 title theme that was definitely one yeah uh, tfx i was really proud of that one and inferno both of those that was a crazy year of ocean just cranking out soundtracks um 
No, no, the, 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 there was one, the, the, there's one that I did, uh, you, do you remember the game Epic on the Amiga? I don't know if you'd have seen it. I think, so I think the Amiga's just a little bit before my, my time. I've, well, the, I think I've heard of it, but I've not actually played it. There was a PC version as well, okay. and there was going to be a CD-ROM version, so we created this big orchestral soundtrack for it. It was all very jarish and stuff. Um, but yeah, that never got released, and I've, I've still got copies of that. So I, I think Dean Evans, it, I, it was me, Dean Evans, and Keith Tinman. We all wrote music for it, and uh, I think Dean's the only one that's published any of his music from it. It's on his on his YouTube page somewhere. But we have a few more tracks of that. Yeah. <laughs> that I should probably publish at some point. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's uh, say the amount you've worked on. There's probably that's how many games were actually released or, or for the most part how many that weren't that you've probably done soundtrack work for is oh that, that spreadsheet i send you that's good i mean there's what about 40 or 50 titles that yeah. didn't get released it's nuts um <laughs> and it's, it's so disheartening there was one that i did just after horizon chase which was uh it was a game called mad balls um and it was it was a four-player marble madness game oh wow and it was really good and it was it would have been such a, a great title, but uh, and the developers, the, the the development was going really well on it, but uh, I don't know, they, they just business reasons, they got sidetracked or they ran out of money. I don't know the full story, um, but it got shit canned, and that was the end of that. <laughs> and so I had this full soundtrack that I'm sitting on for five years, and it was like I, I, I sent them a wee email. I was like, look, is there any chance this? ever going to get published and they're like well, might might not it's like well i'm going to publish the soundtrack anyway because <laughs> i'm tired of it sitting there nobody getting to hear it uh, i mean i could just imagine a four-play marble madness especially if you you know you could actually knock each of his marbles off the thing would just be totally. you would fall out with friends very fast <laughs> If anybody's making one, give me a call. I've got a great soundtrack for you. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, you mentioned sort of like how you produce things back in the day. I mean, was there a shift between? Well, obviously, it would have been a shift from going writing soundtracks where you know a sound chip would play the game to stuff like you know PlayStation CD-ROM media where it had an actual recorded thing I mean what was your sort of process for that or would that vary from game to game well when I was at Imagitech all I had was a Commodore Amiga and a bunch of discs of samples that had hacked out of other people's demos and games <laughs> literally had nothing to work with I had no synthesizer no, the only speakers in the office that I had were a set that I bought at a garage sale somewhere. Um, and it, it, it wasn't until I got to Ocean that we actually had some synthesizers. I was like, holy cow, I'm going to learn how these work. This is fun. Um, so we used all the synthesizers there. And then when I got to Origin Systems in Texas, uh, we had uh, we, we had a full, each composer got, you know, 20, 30 grand's worth of synthesizers and Pro Tools and all that fun stuff. Um, but then after I was at Origin System, not Origin, uh, Origin Systems, then Boss Games, and then Atari Games in California, I was working with uh, Ed Log, the guy that made the original Asteroids. I mean, that was mind blowing for me because I, I played Asteroids when I was a kid, you know, in the cafe down at the end of the road. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, by the time I got to Atari, they were kind of 
things were starting to virtualize a bit. People starting to use VSTs more, sample cell and contact stuff like that. And yeah, uh, so then everything just got virtualized. I ended up selling off all my synth gear and just everything went virtual, VSTs. Is that still the case now? Are you just entirely virtual based and then live instruments? Yeah, yeah, live whenever you need them. I mean, it's rare that you need them. It's nice to have them, but <laughs> usually I've got that much stuff going on in the tunes anyway. You can't spot <laughs> which ones are live, which ones aren't. I mean, obviously, I mean, is there a favourite sort of, I guess, a now bit of software VST you like using, or back in the day, a certain synthesizer that you just enjoyed working with? I have a Korg Trinity Pro on my desk desk here that I use to sequence out ideas. And I've got that in my piano downstairs that I jam out on, um, just from trying to think of stuff. Uh, Software-wise, I use Renoise to sequence everything. It's superb. It's uh, excellent tracker software, uh, which isn't for everyone, but it lets me write stuff really quickly because I'm so used to it. As I say, is that Renoise is kind of influenced by the sort of older sort of like virtual uh, like um vertical rather than horizontal yeah. kind of one so i looked exactly. at it it's like i have no idea what's going on but then obviously if that sort of figures what you've spent however many years writing on in the, sure. it's like makes more sense well i mean there's so many times when, when i first got it i'd be sitting struggling trying to work out you know how, how do i get it to do this and i'd end up googling on the you know looking on the forums and stuff and you would nine times out of ten you would think if, if only it could do this one thing and then you'd search for it and you oh it can of course it can so you just have to click this little box here and something pops up and it was so good i mean i do i do enjoy the i, I do enjoy the internet i think most people enjoy the internet but like, just how easy it is it's like i have a question and you could just put it in whereas you know i can imagine trying to look through a manual a physical yeah. printed manual of software and you know it's like i can remember i was uh, for some reason my dad had like a really old copy of autocad one mm -hmm. <laughs> it was about 30 floppy disks installed but the manual was probably like a thousand pages thick of how to use it it's like okay i'm i'm never going to be able to use this and now you just go online and go how'd you do this and someone's got like nine different ways of doing like it this and you're done yeah 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 the internet's great people don't realize what it was like before the internet you had to phone people you had to try and find someone that might have the same problem as you yeah. and usually when you're doing audio stuff there's nobody else doing it like you <laughs> well yeah say there's however many people doing it when you first started you know <laughs> especially if they're using yeah. different systems and stuff as well this is how most audio guys are really good at doing it stuff because you know, in, in that period in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, your PC had to be absolute top performing PC. You couldn't have anything slowing you down, anything that could possibly cause a glitch in your audio, because everything caused glitches. Hell, <laughs> you get an email, it stopped your sound card, you know, and it was all horrible stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just regather my train of thoughts. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no. It's fine, I do as well. And it's just sort of my brain has to sort of rejig back to what I was going to ask. Um, so, with yourself, um, what sort of like your musical influences and just general things you listen to on a day to day basis? 
I listen to all kinds of stuff. I mean, uh, always a big fan of Alien Sex Fiend, Sisters of Mercy, uh, Nick Drake, Covenant, Underworld, uh, God, all, all the old Commodore 64 music. I still love listening to those and all the remixes and uh, like remix.kwed, you know, to listen to that stuff. Um, listen to Slay Radio every Thursday. <laughs> the really geeky stuff. Nice. They're just kind of a, a is, was there any sort of like musicians growing up that made you want to get into working in music in general at all or oh, totally rob hubbard i mean absolutely i mean I, when i was 14 i was phoning rob hubbard every day and annoying the shit out of him <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully rob was a very kind guy <laughs> gave me the time of day and you know told me what to do try and you know be adventurous don't be lazy when it comes to writing music a solid advice and that you know it served you well i'm guessing <laughs> yeah, it's done all right i think <laughs> I, I think the reason i've survived is because my music's very kind of simple it's catchy it's i don't get too out there i don't get too crazy anyway other than doctor who dubstep remixes no that was just a bit of fun that was me <laughs> it's like i wonder if i could do a dubstep tune and i know i was dicking around with ideas for one i was like i can do the doctor who theme that was that's a nice fun synthesizer tune is there any sort of um any soundtracks like game or film or anything that you'd like to have kind of been like a fly on the wall while it was made or been inside the composer's head to kind of how they came up with it <laughs> i was loving reading all the doom stuff that mick gordon oh yeah yeah complete shit show that he went to <laughs> Holy cow! And it's that's how it's always been. It's always been like that. Dealing with software companies is it can be very disheartening, um, especially you know it's like well what kind of people say okay we're going to hire you to do the music that sounds great. So what kind of music do you want? I'm like I don't know. You make it and we'll tell you if we like it. It's like, ah, that's not how it works. <laughs> you got to spell it out. I'm not going to do endless tunes. Yeah, so there's a bit where between like obviously. A lot of people are in making music and games and stuff because of the something they're very passionate about and then there's those people that exist because it has to be sold and those two interests never really align half the time and that's why you know people end up getting very frustrated with stuff as well yeah yeah the more people you have involved in the project the messier it gets yeah i, I guess that's kind of um originally started doing games there were much smaller teams and much less people and then you know see see like the amount of people in credits on on triple a games now and it's you know like literally hundreds if not thousands of people have done something on it and you yeah. got games you know that were made by two people one person <laughs> it's like it's... what i went from from working at ocean where we were working on fairly small teams two three maybe five people there was a lot of artwork and then i went to origin systems um and it was such a a completely different work culture i mean ocean it was nine to five you get in you get work done you go home you don't screw around and then when i got to origin they're like okay here's your office here's forty thousand dollars worth of synthesizers and yeah, core hours are kind of like 10 to 4, but if you want to go watch a movie at the cinema in the morning, yeah, go watch a movie. Just 
make sure you get all this work done by the date at the bottom of the sheet. Otherwise, you're going to get fired. You're like, <laughs> okay. And so, and it worked. I mean, the offices would be completely empty during the day, but on the evenings and weekends, it would be packed. You know, everybody would be cranking stuff out. And so, from from that, you go. I mean, from being on small teams of two or three people, uh, when I worked on Wing Commander Three. I had to edit all the in-flight dialogue for that. There was like 11,500 lines of dialogue. And I had to edit it all and get it into the game. And at the time, because they were, it was the most expensive video game ever made at the time. It was like $7.5 million. And they, they pretty much everybody in the company was working on it towards the end, just trying to get it out the door. And it was like 250 people. It was an insane amount just to just to make it happen. I mean, and, and they had all these people doing all the FMV and the artwork behind the the, the video footage and shot on green screen and stuff. So it was incredible, huge. And, and it's only worse since then. <laughs> <laughs> that was 25 years ago. <laughs> And I guess in like when you're in a, a, a smaller team or, you know, that sort of situation where it's like a, everyone pitches in, you end up doing stuff that aren't, aren't soundtracks, you know, like, and it's just kind of everyone does something to help out. Well, that, that was like the first time do, doing that speech editing was the first time that that kind of job had come up. Um, to me, at least. I mean, before, when like when I did TFX, there was only... 10 or 20 bits of speech there was some you know the counting the numbers one two three four five up to ten so you could say so the game could tell you that there was an incoming bogey at thirty thousand feet so there was only like 10 bits of speech 20 bits of speech and then the wing commander had eleven and a half thousand. jesus somebody's gonna edit this <laughs> looking around he's like oh it's me i've got to <laughs> <laughs> We pick the straws again. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I got one. They, I had to do. Uh, there was an FM Towns conversion of Wing Commander. They were making a Japanese version, and they sent a dat. They, they had all the lines re-recorded by you know Japanese voice talent, and I don't speak Japanese. And they just sent a dat tape of the of the full recording session. So I have no idea where one line ends, the next one starts. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. Send it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a case of, you're going to have to ha have someone that speaks Japanese put beeps in between the lines so we can edit them. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. I mean, I kind of like where people have sort of oversights. It's like, oh yeah, he's an audio guy, he can do this. It's, it's audio. It's like, yeah, he doesn't speak Japanese though. Doesn't know what any of this is. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of editing dialogue, after about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I ended up editing about 20,000 lines of dialogue for uh, Rosetta Stone. So that, <laughs> talk about, you have one baptism with fire, but then doing it again later. I think it's that, that's now probably, well, it probably is just someone's individual job. Hopefully you never have to deal with it again. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind doing speech editing. It, it's an honest day's work. It's not like you're, you know, trying to make stuff up all the time. You just sit down, and focus, do the job. Yeah, true. I guess very straightforward. Well, not straightforward, but very simple in terms of what the in, input and output is that you need to do. So, yes, it's one of those you can just kind of crack on with. 
So coming up to the question, the the section I lovingly call quickfire questions. So the idea is the question side, the first thing that comes to mind, you pick one of your favourites. Never happens. And it ends up being much more elaborate than that. But we'll we'll go with that. So what is your favourite um, video game of all time? Supreme Commander Forge Alliance. And, and specifically the Forged Alliance Forever add-on, the community-driven pack thing, which is it's just incredible. It's very, uh, very, very cool. That's nice. Hey, that's probably the most specific answer that I've had to that question. <laughs> Normally people are like, oh yeah, here's five. It's like, oh no, here's a game and here's the very specific add-on pack. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it, it's only because I played it so much. I mean, Jesus, thousands of hours in that thing. So, I mean, that's kind of the best way of working out what's your favourite if you can't think of it. So, like, which one have I actually played the most? And when it's, you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is thousands of hours. So, okay, yeah, probably that one then. Well, it's, it's going back to that thing where games can last six hours or seven hours and you can't quit it. <laughs> That being said, I have put an awful lot of hours into Train Simulator and uh, Train Valley 2, which is an excellent little puzzle game. Talk about another game where you can just pick up and play. Yeah. A few, you know, play a few levels. I love that. It's nice and simple. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. I do obviously go Train Simulator as one, like just any sort of simulator game. It's kind of like, I'm going to have to spend hours doing this, but then like a nice, easy pickup puzzle (laughs) is always, always fun to play. So. I'll, I'll yeah. add that to the massive list of games. And the workshop stuff, all, all this, the levels that people made on the workshop is excellent. And I'll, if it wasn't for the community-created stuff, it wouldn't be any good. Yeah. And I do enjoy when there's games and basically the developers don't really have to do anything because of the amount of content being added by the um, by people yeah. just making levels and stuff like that. It's really cool. So, so next, next to the quick fire question, your favourite musical artist slash band of all time? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I am very fond of the Stranglers. Still going. Sad that the Dave Greenfield died the other year, uh, but yeah, they're still going. Love their stuff. Nice. And the Mission. Sorry, there's another good band. I like mm. Mission too. Sisters of Mercy, Bauhaus, Clash, Cure. Christian Dead, all the old goth stuff, Lemmy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, I, I still find it funny, like, of those sorts of bands, how that sort of era, like, everyone just picked up on The Cure, like, from, from my sort of age group growing up, because it's kind of like, that sort of thing was, well, probably just coming to an end when I was born, and then, but then everyone just kind of went, oh, yeah, we love The Cure, and it's like, oh, what about these bands? Like, who? <laughs> well, the Cure are very good. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he avoided being pigeonholed by keeping changing the style and stuff, and but too much. Yeah, I mean, one thing that like I think endears Robert Smith to everyone is how much he hates Morrissey. Which <laughs> <laughs> I always like that interview with them at the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, where some little journalist says uh, she, she's all excited that they're, they're there. She's like, are you? excited to be here and he's like obviously not as excited as you honey <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just love that deadpan droll yeah I feel, I feel it's like especially it just kind of works well with 
he's kind of like their personality and it comes across in the music they do very nicely it's just like yeah we're they're not just just going to kind of answer things they're not going to dress it up in any sort of media nonsense just like yeah yeah (laughs) well think about it too i mean robert smith could walk past you in the high street without his makeup on and stuff and you'd never recognize him oh definitely not i mean the guy's got to be one of the most successful you know musicians from the last 20 30 years i think it's fantastic elton john can't do that oh yeah (laughs) i mean if he didn't wear all his ridiculous stuff maybe he could get away with it but i feel that's (laughs) that's like probably attached to him now yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then your um, let's go back to quick fire questions. Your favourite game soundtrack? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, we're talking about real old games because I mean, if we're talking Commodore sixty four, it's got to be Spellbound, Rob Hubbard track, yeah. um, which I did a remix of. Um, that's on YouTube. To nice. search for Spellbound Leech, and uh, I, did, I did that for the Project Hubbard. Uh, the orchestration thing, the CD that they're doing, uh, Chris Abbott's Kickstarter thing. Um, so yeah, he he asked me to do this soundtrack uh, to, to do a, a cover of my favourite Rob tune, and of course that was had to be that one. So I, I was only expecting to spend a week on it, but I ended up spending a month just <laughs> getting carried away, putting way too much in it. Um, but other game soundtrack, I like the uh, the the Stronghold games, the the, the real time strategy game. Okay. Um, their soundtrack was really good. Uh, just like I liked it. it used traditional instruments. It was all just nice melodies and stuff. It was wasn't too obtrusive or in your face. It just suited the game really well. I, mean, I guess like um, just from my memory of real time strategy games, it's not something again I play much anymore because of the amount of time done. But you know, mm-hmm. you don't want something too bombastic and in your face. You kind of want something nice, yeah. sort of background music. So work nice for that. Um, that being said, look at Red Alert. That was yeah, yeah. I mean, that had like proper full-on, very loud marching things like yeah. that. Yeah, I was, I was, I did actually think of Red Alert. So it's like, oh yeah, I say I don't play it, but that's one that I always come back to and play a good. A good chunk of it now and then and get sucked in and then you play in and try to find if people still play it online and then you end up getting annihilated by someone that's been playing it you know three hours every day since it came out and they're just <laughs> ridiculous and that's one yeah, of the reasons online plays a bit tough these days yeah i mean i don't I, one of the reasons i don't play online games anymore is because i don't have time to be as good as the people that have the time to play it and then you just go on it's like i'm not enjoying this because i'm so bad at it <laughs> yeah yeah it gets that way with uh, even supreme commander you know they'll set up the games and they'll adjust the rules just very slightly that gives them a, a slight edge <laughs> You know their specific faction or whatever it's frustrating yeah i mean going back to kind of like full circle to racing games like every time i go and try and play like any of the sort of you know new f1 games or anything and you go online and someone's either turned all the assists off or you go to the first corner and they just drive into you and it's like ah this isn't fun <laughs> yeah and you gotta spend hours tuning your car tweaking the wing mm angles and stuff i can't be arsed with that either just want to play a game just to be beat by like a seven year old (laughs) (laughs) 
And then on, on a, a similar sort of soundtrack sort of thing, your favourite film and or TV soundtrack? Um, very fond of the Fargo soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, Heat is another one that was a great soundtrack, uh, movie soundtrack. Last of the Mohicans as well, another great one. Um, all John Carpenter stuff, and the usual stuff. Everybody likes that stuff. Yeah. You just fail like sort of standard good film soundtracks for the better yeah. way of saying it. <laughs> nothing, nothing too, you know, too weird and out there, just like good old classic stuff. Well, there's always uh, Baraka and Koyana Skatsi. I mean, those are some great soundtrack films. True, yeah. I, 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 I do. I, I do always find when I ask these questions, it's like, oh yeah, you can only pick one, and then it's like I couldn't do that, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, I mean, I think you may have answered this with uh, your favorite game soundtrack, but your favorite individual track piece sung from a game soundtrack. From a game soundtrack, <sighs> has to be Spellbound. Just, I mean, what it was, I mean, it was, not only is it a fantastic piece of music, but technologically wise, it, on three channels on the Commodore 64, when you listen to that, it's uh, it mind-blowing. There's, there's an oscilloscope version of it on, the, on YouTube, so check that out as well. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, um, I, when I was just like flicking through your list of like things you'd worked on and you didn't they I can't remember what system sort of you did double drag I don't know if it was the original double dragon you kind of converted it for a system but there's an oscilloscope one of that it's just like oh this is really satisfying Commodore 64 console it was a Commodore 64 console version we were doing yeah just a little cartridge thing yeah, and that's but just really. Did, did that ever get finished? I don't know if the game even got released. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've it's released on other systems, obviously, because it's you know yeah. Double Dragon, but I, I don't, I don't know specifically if that one is. But yeah, the the soundtrack with like the Oscilloscope and the free channels is quite cool to watch. Oh, they've done it. Yeah, I mean, pretty crazy that there's stuff on YouTube that you've done that you haven't even seen. Well, that was. I mean. It, uh, I went to, uh, I got invited to a gaming event in Peru a few years ago, um, and they kept asking me how many games I've worked on and stuff, and I was like, I don't, I don't know how many games I've worked on, it was somewhere, I was like, look, I'll, I'll work it out, I'll count it all up, and so I spent like three or four days just going through, searching YouTube, you know, the, trying to find each game that I'd worked on, you know, with, were there conversions of it, because some some of the games where I, I did uh, like 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 the Amiga version and stuff uh, like a he- Hero Quest. Yeah. Somebody else got the job of converting it to the Game Boy several years later, I think, um, which I didn't do. Um, and I had to check if it, if the Game Boy version did it use and did it reference my music? Did it use my music or didn't? It, and I don't think it did at the time. I think it was Matt Furness did that one. He's very talented. Uh, but. Yeah, so there was a lot of that stuff. Go five days or three or four days at least, just looking at videos, downloading artwork for each one. Because I made a video of uh, what I wanted to do was uh, just take take pictures from from each game and just put them all together in a video. And by the time I realised how many there were, um, I was like, well, I can probably just play one frame on, of each 
game on this video and see how long it lasts for. So at, at 30 frames a second, I think it plays for about 20 seconds. There's that many games. That, and so, so so that's on my YouTube channel. You can watch this blip there of uh, <laughs> images shooting past you. Probably trigger your epilepsy. It should have an epilepsy warning on it. Yeah, I'd be... I- I'll be fine watching it, but yeah, if anyone else does, that's that's your official warning now. <laughs> so, is it? There's another version that's slowed down. It holds each one for a few seconds. Okay, fifteen minutes to play through <laughs> it. <laughs> is was there any cases of like a, a soundtrack where you wrote the original soundtrack and then someone else had the job of converting it based upon your original soundtrack and? You, you kind of, I feel I feel this is a mean question, but but ruined Did it. Did anybody else fuck up a conversion? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Probably there was one. Yeah, there was one. The the uh, TFX. The uh, I didn't know they'd done a PlayStation One version of that. Okay. And when I hear it, it was like. Who the fuck did that? Because <laughs> it's like they've uh, used horrible instruments and stuff. And e- even the PC version of TFX, um, it was probably Keith Tinman. I don't think he liked me very much. I, I didn't like Keith. I gave him a hard time. We used to, I bust his balls at the office a lot, give him a hard time. Um, but he, uh, the, the CD release, we, we, we had three PC versions. We had the AdLib version, the FM synth sound blaster, the crappy sounding one. Then they had the 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 MT32, which was the all singing, all dancing version, and then there was the Roland Sound Canvas, the yeah. SCC one or something. I mean, it was just General MIDI. I mean, it was, General MIDI was the latest greatest thing at the time, but it wasn't as good as the MT32 when you could create your own instruments. And so he recorded all, or somebody, I'm not, it might not have been Keith. I'm not pointing fingers, but it probably was. <laughs> But so they they, they recorded the, the the sound canvas version, the general MIDI version for the CD, which was it's like why would you do that? The other one was so much better. But it is what it is. As I say, if it's for a PS One game that has just you know wave format audio on, surely surely just use the nice one, right? <laughs> Yeah. Well, there's not the, and the, the, this this was the PC CD-ROM. The, yeah. the the PlayStation One version was even worse. It like they'd, they'd recorded it with some other instruments and stuff, and it was I don't know who did that. I it's will. a Getty Bracy question. Maybe he knows. <laughs> well, uh, I'll I'll have a look and just see. I mean, I do have a a weird. I, I don't know if. I, I fear fetish is the wrong word to use about anything on the internet, but like a weird thing for terrible sounding MIDI instruments. <laughs> <laughs> well, was... all, all of my ad lib stuff was like that. It was all yeah. terrible sounding. I hated FM synthesis. <laughs> uh, so we kind of kind of covered the the past and present of what have have you have you got any soundtracks you're working on? I'm guessing there's going to be more Horizon Chase two bits potentially, or anything else that's being worked on. Uh, I've actually just finished. Oh, I probably can't say. It, but I don't think I can talk about that. To be <laughs> honest, I can't remember what I've signed lately. <laughs> Non-disclosures. Um, no, uh, I, most of the stuff I do these days is for kids' toys. I write a lot of music for children's toys. Okay. Um, programming these tiny little, tiny little chip things. Yep. Um, and so, 
I do a lot of that stuff. Um, it's all limited polyphony stuff, like the old the Amiga things. It's just I got to program program all the individual hardware and stuff, and get it down as small as possible so that chip costs twenty cents instead of twenty five. Things like that. That seems to be the area of expertise that I got pretty good at. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a bit uh, a bit different, but I, I mean it kind of has the sort of like programming kind of side and origins as well of like rather than just being like oh I can write everything I'm guessing you know having to write something with much more limited capacities oh, yeah. these are all you know two channel three channel four five six eight channel polyphony um, very simple there was some products I worked on last year that were uh, it was a, a guitar a drum and a piano and they all connect wirelessly oh. <coughs> excuse me and they, they, they stay in tune when you play them. We had them synchronize up, had to do I worked very closely with a designer on that for a few months and came out with these toys that are parents everywhere should be grateful for them. <laughs> you know, three kids banging on instruments and they all stay in tune. How good is that? That is pretty good. <coughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to have to go and look for some now. So, bye. It's coming up to Christmas by all my nieces and nephews stuff, so hopefully keep them not quieter but at least in time when they're causing chaos. <laughs> That's actually the hardest thing to do is to synchronize you, you, you can synchronize the pitch of the instruments, but trying to quantize timing is just it's so frustrating for to try and <clears throat> hit a device and have it uh quantize it in real time and it, it just becomes counterintuitive it's really frustrating and in terms of um people keeping up with yourself things you got coming up is your i think your facebook page is probably the best place yeah facebook twitter mastodon uh what's the other ones i don't know <laughs> facebook's the easiest way to get hold of me yeah. um but yeah that's uh I, I just got done. I just got back from Norway a couple of weeks ago. We were there for the Back in Time live event in Bergen, playing with the Fast Loaders. So I had to I had to perform on stage live with them, playing uh, Supercars too and Lotus Two music with them. Cool. So that was quite an experience. The first time I've ever done that. I, I usually try to avoid being that close to the limelight playing on stage anyway <laughs> although I, I, I did get to conduct a little orchestra in uh, in Peru that was very cool and then the full orchestra thing in Brazil with Video Games Live that was really cool so is that your, was that like a mix of tracks or is that all your own stuff? Well, there was, there was uh, Top Gear slash Horizon Chase they did a, a medley of the two pieces yeah cool I guess so that was kind of like especially the Top Gear stuff, taking something that was three, four channels to a full orchestra was great fun, especially with some of those arpeggios. I think. Well, that was nuts, yeah. I mean, Tommy asked me, he says, like, have you ever arranged anything for an orchestra? I was like, no, but I'm really willing to try. <laughs> I to try. Just cut me loose somehow. And, and, and that was very interesting. It was a really good learning experience to, because there's so many instruments with 60, 70 pieces of orchestra and yeah, cranking that out, uh, and then only to have uh, the the arranger uh, delete all my brass section because they weren't going to have that many brass players on stage and stuff. 
And who knew a harp player couldn't play an arpeggio that fast? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they can. They're just slacking. Uh, the violinist can handle it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean, I can't play either, so no one listening to this can say that I've got it completely wrong. But I feel playing something fast on the violin is harder than the harp. But again, no idea. So <laughs> yeah, I'll let uh, them argue uh, out. <laughs> I think technically the harp has the limitations. Get a pedal, you've got to oh, yeah. press and shift the semitone and stuff. So, Macy. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually even seen a harp like up close enough to play one, or even like know how it properly. You just kind of think like, oh, I've got every note. I can just plink. Yeah, I, I thought that way too. It was it was actually this year I learned that things I learned this year. <laughs> It was the harp has a pedal that so you have to press. It was Rob Hubbard that told me that. <laughs> we were standing looking at harp, and he's like, you see that? That's a pedal. you got to press that to <laughs> transpose it as every time. So. Still teaching you after however many years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of uh, came to the end of the questions I had for you, Barry. I don't know if there's anything you would like to add or talk about at all. I want to know what you thought of the Horizon Chase 2 soundtrack. I really enjoyed it. You promised it. you were going to listen to it. I so. did listen to it. I listened to it weirdly on the way to the dentist this morning. Um, <laughs> so there you've got that association between it and pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I feel that I made a bad decision listening to it while driving because it's obviously <laughs> making you want to drive fast. But yeah, it's it's good. I mean, I look at... I always, always... I like listening to gay music just that concept but always enjoy enjoy it more in sort of like the context it was created for so can't wait to actually play well, it when it comes to comes to consoles next year but yeah i really enjoyed it and obviously hopefully there's going to be many many more expansion packs and stuff for it hopefully yeah. and obviously nice. yeah <laughs> one a month or one every couple of months would be yeah. super well like that did you, did you have a favourite? Anything you really liked that any didn't like? I re- oh, I can't remember names specifically. Let me just bring the the list up. Yeah, give them all stupid names. I think I think it's like the Top Gear one just has the names of the places, and then they've you've branched out now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, back then it was Tune One, Tune Two, Tune Three. <laughs> I was um, I really like Rocking in Rome and. I think Bangles, oh no, sorry, the Wild Wild West as well. Really enjoyed them. And the prettiest menu theme ever written. <laughs> the prettiest menu theme ever written. So, you know, you're not going to get done for false advertising with that one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I tried on that one. That, that was fun. I, I was just uh, because I, I intended uh, it was Red Headed Stepchild to be the, the title theme. But. Uh, the team didn't like that. They felt the other one had was more suitable for the title. So, uh, but the prettiest menu theme is more derivative of the the, the redheaded stepchild track. And that was uh, I don't know. I, I, I got carried away when I was doing it and went off on on this little. I found this pretty little chord sequence or progression. <laughs> I'm sitting there, tears running down my cheeks right now because it was just so pretty. <laughs> It comes across, you can feel the emotion when I listen to it. Especially especially at the end of the soundtrack on Spotify. It's like, want this to go again? Can't, can't cope with this ending. But yeah, I really enjoyed it and um, excited to actually play the game when it's when it's out and obviously keep up with everything else you're working on, including 
undisclosable game number one i do have one called blow up that we're still doing uh I've got to, got to do some stuff for that so I feel bad for the programmer. He's been waiting for a month. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I was supposed to do the, the Dark Quest game series, um, which is basically a, a Hero Quest remake. Yeah. Um, then the programmer was just a big fan of Hero Quest and he you know, found me and we got talking. So that, that became my passion project a couple of years. So we did Dark Quest, Dark Quest 2. Um, but then Dark Quest, the board game, came up in the middle of while I was doing Horizon Chase 2, which in itself wouldn't have been that bad, but at the same time there was a chip crisis going on, which caused havoc with the toy industry. So I had literally hundreds of toy chips that I had to move from one chip to another chip because they couldn't they, they, they couldn't get the, the regular supply of chips that they expected, so there was a whole shell game moving stuff around, and I'm I was working 14, 18 hour days just trying to stay ahead of it all. But Dark Quest board game was a casualty. I think I managed to write one tune for it and then he had to get a backup composer to bail him out. So Blow Up is, I'm supposed to be doing some stuff for that. I'll need to do that soon. Yeah, that sounds cool. And obviously, as mentioned, like probably Facebook, best place to get updated with all of this. Yeah, I tend to waffle on in there bitch about things that's fine i mean I, I i prefer that rather than the sort of like overly corporate fun oh yes <laughs> here's nice things well done everyone <laughs> well today I'm, i was gonna and i stopped myself earlier because i was gonna post bitching about my computer i've had this computer a year and a half it's a top of the range system um and it uh my overclock has started to fail. It had a, like a twenty-eight percent overclock yeah. on a on a fifty-nine fifty, uh, which is you know, superb chip. But uh, it started just shutting down randomly. It was like, oh no, I can't, I can't work like this. So I've, I've been troubleshooting for the last few days. You know, is it the voltage? Is it the heating? Is it you know need more cooling and stuff? But turns out it's just the overclock and so i had to dial it back uh, so now i'm living like a schnook like everybody else with a slow pc <laughs> uh, i mean i do i do find that quite I, the whole sort of overclocking thing it's like you can buy this because you can make it go faster than it was meant to go and it's like that's not really a marketing thing <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is when it comes to cars and stuff, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but like if, if, if someone goes, in my head, if someone goes, oh, we've made this car, it can do 220 miles an hour, it's like, okay, but you can also get it to do 240 if you do this. It's like, well, why don't you just make it go 240 miles an hour? Yeah, you can make it go 240, and it might just randomly crash on you. <laughs> yeah, which probably don't want with a car. But <laughs> Uh, but when it comes to computers, see, it all goes back to those the, the eight bit days is that you're trying to squeeze as much out of the system as possible. Yeah, that's true. And so I, I think I still do that with. Uh, there was somebody here that mentioned that because I, I was, you know, talking to him about all the, 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 the systems I've got that can, you know, your security system, your media servers, stuff like that, and backup systems. And uh, he's like, wow, you really are just still trying to squeeze every little drop of, of everything. It's like, well, yeah, we are. <laughs> I paid for it. I want to use it all. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. I old habits die hard. Yeah, it's fascinating, too. I mean, you always want to see what you can do with these things. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a kind of same sort of thing on a tangent. It was the... Um, uh, I can't think who it was now. And it's really famous person, but, you know, like turning the gain up on the amplifier to get the, the feedback and distortion and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's never never intended for that reason, but it, it made a new sound and stuff, which is really cool. Got to turn it up to 11. Yeah. You do, even ones that don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been great fun. I've really enjoyed that, Barry. Um, really cool. appreciate your time and all your insight and putting up with my nonsense questions and stuff. Really appreciate it. They're all good. Sorry if I waffled on too long. You can always edit it out. Yeah. I just words to my mum will listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if... Again, if your mum listens to it, want to hear her thoughts, I, I may, I, I may do a censored version. I don't know, don't know how, how you're. Uh... <laughs> She's used to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd once again like to thank Barry for taking time out of his schedule to chat to myself. As always, uh, there'll be a new episode of Beats and Bleeps on Thursday, which will be the first episode in 2023. I'd like to thank you very much for listening and supporting the podcast throughout 2022. It's been very good and onwards and upwards for even bigger things next year. I hope you have a wonderful new year and a lovely day.